0: Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Thanks, guys. Or we come to a really important part of our worship now at Exchange. Uh, We love to open up the Bible, God's Word, and to... uh, allow him to speak to us and to instruct our lives and to reveal to us who he is and uh, what he calls of of us and the life he gives to us as well uh, through his strength and power that's being infused to us at all times. Now we have been currently going through a book of Revelation uh, but this week obviously with Easter we want to focus on Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday so a little bit of a difference from our Revelation series, we will will get back to that uh, next Sunday. But Firstly, um, there's a difference between knowing and believing, isn't there? There's a difference between knowing and believing. To know something may mean that you can contain the facts in your mind. You might know something. You could actually repeat the information to somebody else that you know. You could actually explain to somebody how something works because you know about that thing. But believing is different though, isn't it? Believing is different. Not only do you know the facts... But the facts of what you know changes the way you live. There's a difference between knowing and believing. I may know that the lack of exercise isn't good for me, I may know that, but when I believe it, then maybe I'll start doing something about it. There's a difference between knowing and believing, it changes the way I live. And today we want to look at how believing the resurrection of Jesus... Not just knowing it, believing it, changes everything and really makes all things new for us, all things new. Grab your Bibles please and go to uh, Philippians chapter 3 (coughs) and we're going to read through uh, verses 7 through to 11. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7, let's start there. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Lord, we thank you. We praise you today that we can come and open up your word. Father, even as we just read that portion there, we know your spirit breathes life into that word that challenges us, that convicts us, that stirs us, that encourages us even as we read what Paul is writing there inspired by you. So we ask today as we think about that particularly that I might know the power of his resurrection, that you would just begin to unveil that into our hearts and lives this morning as we gather. Lord we ask that in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, so Philippians is a letter that Paul has uh, written Uh, It's a joy-filled communication of words. Paul is uh, filled with joy as he writes this letter to the Philippian church. He's filled with joy as he thinks about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for him and also the Philippians as well. And really one of the um, incredible things about this letter from Philippians, Paul writes this from a Roman prison cell simply for following Christ. He writes this from a Roman prison cell uh, to uh, encourage this group of believers here in Philippi and to stir their faith. He actually writes to encourage them and to grow uh, their joy in Christ. And, and just some of the great stuff he says there, That what did he say? Um, but whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss, everything. And if you read prior to that, he lists off his pedigree of his birth and all these other privileges he has. He says, I count that all as loss for, the, for knowing who Christ Jesus is. It really is stirring stuff. Paul is just like any of us. When you or I find something in life that's good, it brings us a lot of joy. Like when we get this good news that I've just heard from the doctor that I was lining up for surgery and now I don't need to have that surgery. That's really good news. You feel elated and joyful about that. But not only do you keep that, you don't keep that to yourself, you actually pass that on. You pass. The, you actually let other people know this good news. That's really good news. So we tell our family and friends about what's happened in our life. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here in this letter to the Philippians as he writes to them. And particularly, as I, I want us to focus today on verse 10 and what he says there again in sharing this good news. We'll, we'll bring up verse 10 again for you. And he says this, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul, as a was praying there, praying as he writes his letter to the Philippians, he says, I want to know Jesus, I want to know him, but I want to know the power of his resurrection as well. This know the power of his resurrection, what Paul's saying here, isn't some mere intellectual knowledge. I don't want to just know about the resurrection... It's not just a set of facts that Paul wants to contain in his mind. or It's not just a simply a written essay that Paul's going to write here about the resurrection. It is something far deeper than that. What Paul wants to know here is an experiential knowing. Something that he actually experiences. Not just knows, but experiences here. It's something he wants to feel deep within. Not some sort of passing thought. It's something felt deeply within. It's the power of the resurrection that Paul wants to know that gives Paul a boldness and a confidence that cannot be moved or shaken by any situation or circumstances that he faced in his life. He wants to know the power of the resurrection. Not know about it, but know it. There's this sense of experience and feeling that Paul has now, but he wants to grow more deeply in knowing about this power as well. <clears throat> and once you know, once you really know the ex- and experience the resurrection of Christ, it makes all things new. It really does make all things new. With the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. The understanding of the resurrection of Jesus empowered the apostles and the early church unbelievably with great strength. Not just the facts of it, knowing it. The resurrection then became a key truth, it became a key message and it became a key hope for the rest of their lives as we'll begin to unpack that now and even into their death it was just incredibly central in their lives. So about 500 people witnessed the resurrected Christ after he had died and then rose from the grave on the third day and then was alive for another 40 days after coming back from the dead. About 500 people uh, witnessed and saw a visible, uh, alive, very much alive Jesus Christ. But before the resurrection on Good Friday, Jesus' followers saw the gruesome death that we remembered again on Friday, which uh, Steve so wonderfully brought to us. And if you missed that, I'd encourage you to go back to the YouTube channel. You can pick up that service there. They witnessed this gruesome death on a Roman cross of torture that was only reserved for the vilest of criminals not just anybody was crucified on a Roman cross, it was for the worst of the worst. That's what they witnessed just a few days before, on Calvary's Hill, just outside of Jerusalem, in a very prominent location, not in some back streets of Jerusalem somewhere, in a very prominent location, Jesus is crucified out there with a sign that is hung above his head in three languages saying, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Now in some ways... In some ways, that's actually making a mocking of Jesus. Well, crucifixion is for the worst criminals. So here's your king. He's crucified like the worst criminal that's around. In some ways that's mocking Jesus. But Jesus' death was in no way to be mocked. It was here that he came to the cross to satisfy God's holiness and God's justice towards the sin of humanity and our rebellion before God as his creation. Jesus came as the sacrificial lamb to take away the sin of the world by offering up his perfect life as a sin offering in our place. In our place, bearing our punishment is what Jesus did. Now at that particular time, Jesus' followers didn't get that. Although he said it numbers of times, like three times he told them that he was going to die and rise again, they still didn't get what all was happening here. For them at this particular time in the middle of this, between the death and the resurrection, their dreams and their hopes of the Messiah's kingdom were crushed. They just thought it's all over, it's done, it's finished. Their expectations here of the liberation of Israel from uh, Rome's invasion, because they were invaded by Rome at that time, they were smashed. We thought this was the one who's going to lead us to actually liberation from the Roman occupation. Their confidence in the return of peace and harmony to their land at this point in time has evaporated. We thought he was going to be the one who would bring us peace and harmony. Jesus' followers at this point were filled with fear and disillusionment. Disillusion about we thought he was the one. But he died a criminal's death. But When they saw the risen Christ, it changed everything. It absolutely changed everything. Something brand new, something brand new birthed inside of them when they walked and talked with Jesus three days after his death. Something stirred within them. Something began to sort of see all the lights begin to switch on. All the ducks begin to line up in a row now. They actually begin to see what was happening here. It proved to the followers of Jesus at that time, he truly was the Son of God. Something more than just knowing it, they actually began to believe this now. Look what Paul says here in Romans chapter 1. Paul says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. They began to see it. As I said, the lights switched on. We understand who he is now. By his resurrection, he's declared to be the Son of God. Who else does what he did? Who else predicts that I will die, but yet I will rise three days later? No one else can do that. No one else has ever done that. So they get to see who he is. This is a key truth that they now found. He rose from the grave. Currently, today, we have thousands of people in the USA who have their dead bodies frozen in hope that one day medical science will so far develop they'll be able to revive these dead bodies and bring them back to life again. They're still dead bodies. Not Jesus though, in his own power he breaks the bonds of death and sin because sin and death could not hold him down. He's declared to be the Son of God. The resurrection truth here was a key truth that proved that he was the Son of God and when they discovered this, when they actually saw this as God opened their hearts and their minds up to it, it made all things new for these people, for these followers of Jesus. No small occasion massively significant Jesus wasn't just a man he was a man but he wasn't just a man he was the Son of God he was the Son of God now once this key truth that Jesus is the Son of God proven by his resurrection came alive to them as it really really did it actually became a very key part of the message that they proclaimed around the world. As they actually went out and told people about Jesus, the resurrection became a very key part of this message for them. That's how important it was. Preaching and proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus became a key part of communicating the gospel. Have a look here in, in Acts chapter 2 with me, where they, we see the very first sermon, as it were, of Peter the Apostle. He says this in Acts chapter 2. Uh, Men of Israel, hear these words... Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and signs and wonders that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, you saw this. Just prior to this, you saw this, Peter's saying. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. No accident. Planned by God. The definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says, he's talking about King David from the Old Testament. David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced my flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you'll make, you'll make me full of gladness with your presence. End of that, old, of that Old Testament quote. And then he says in verse 29, brothers, talking to the men of Israel, the people of Israel, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died... Peter says we saw him, we ate with him, we spoke with him, being now therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit he has poured out that, out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. That's Peter's first sermon after the day of, on the day of Pentecost. The resurrection is playing a very key part here in their believing who Jesus is. And the resurrection should play a key part in preaching, in proclaiming Christ. That's who he is. That's what he did. He rose from the grave. It's what the Holy Spirit wants the people to hear. They want, the Holy Spirit wants people to hear this supernatural truth that in the natural defies our comprehension, but actually does something within us when we grasp that and see who Jesus is and what he's done. This truth is designed to awaken hearts and minds. It's meant to stop us and say, you What? He rose from the grave, Is meant to arrest us, it's meant to capture us and if you go through the book of Acts you'll see that the resurrection is mentioned in most of the, the transitions here through the book of Acts when they go from one phase of church life to the next phase of church life, through their public testimony as well. When Paul is doing that like about three or four times before the Roman governors, he keeps talking about seeing the resurrected Jesus. There's something here that's being told to us by the Holy Spirit He wants that truth proclaimed. Jesus has risen from the dead and he makes all things new through that resurrection. God wants to resonate that truth of the resurrection deep in our hearts, not just knowing it, but believing it, giving us a whole new outlook on life through the truth of the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Jesus makes all things new. New. Now, not only was this a key truth that they understood about who Jesus was, that declared him to be the Son of God, and a key message, it was part of their gospel proclamation or the gospel communication, but it was also for these guys, these the early believers, a life-changing and indestructible hope an indestructible hope that they held on to. And this is now where we get back to Paul's prayer here in Philippians, that he would know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, This hope is something that is felt. It's felt. Something that is powerfully experienced coming through the resurrection of Jesus. Have a look in 1 Peter with me, 1 Peter, the first chapter. It says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are the elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice in this you rejoice rejoice is something you feel it's something you express it's something you more than just know you rejoice though now for a little while if necessary you are grieved by various trials doesn't that stir your heart when you read that doesn't that do something within you when you begin to think about what's going on there when you reflect and meditate upon that glorious truth that we are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. A living hope. Not a wishful hope. Not a maybe hope. A living hope. A powerful hope. A hope that, of, that is overflowing with confidence. A hope that you can just see rolling on and on and on and on as far as the eye can see and beyond what your eye can see. It's a hope, it's a living hope. What is that hope? It's the sure resurrection hope of all things new. For all the disasters, the dangers and the dramas we may experience in this world that are causing my life to, to know grief and pain at this time and Nathan led us there before about whatever's happening in our life, we've always got something happening in our life, sometimes small, sometimes much larger... It's going to end one day. It's no longer going to be there. We're not going to experience that grief or that drama or that pain. The chasm of my sin that has utterly separated me from, uh, from God and brought about this misery and mayhem that I experienced in my life, well, through this resurrection hope, it's all been ended by the death of Christ. That chasm has been bridged by Jesus. And what is his resurrection? His resurrection is the evidence that God has accepted Christ, Jesus' payment for the price of my sin. If Jesus died and didn't rise again, well, then Jesus, that's it. We've got no hope of resurrection ourselves. But the evidence is that Jesus' death was accepted and he rose again. That gives me the sure hope as well, that I'm free of the debt of sin. Christ's payment is full. It's accepted. It's on my behalf. I'm right. I'm justified before God because of who Jesus is and not who I am. It's the evidence of that. That's the hope. That's a glorious hope. That's a hope that's more than knowing... That's a hope that's experiential. Right now, my life may seem dark and gloomy. Things just haven't gone the way I expected them to. My family still rejects me or gives me a hard time. That person at work still belittles me. I seem to have one issue after another piling up in my life. That's some of the grievous trials that we're still experiencing at this particular time. What is there to be happy about over that? Well, in resurrection hope... One day that will be a thing of the past. One day all of that will cease, it'll end, it'll be finished. The resurrection hope tells me that. Not only does it tell me that, but I feel it, I experience it, it's powerful. I can't, as it were, describe that feeling or put that feeling into words, but I feel such a closeness with Christ through the middle of the storm that it actually calms those troubled waters in my heart and my mind, despite them raging around about me in the circumstances that I face. And look what Peter says there again about in verse four about this inheritance of hope. He says in verse four, to an inheritance this is the hope in heaven, that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is unfading, that is kept in heaven for you. That's incredible. This is meant to whet our appetite. This is meant to get us hungering for heaven and hungering to bring more people with us to experience this. Resurrection hope has, a, has a, a stored up joy for us that will never grow old. Now we get a new toy in the mail from online shopping or something and it's great when you pull it out of the wrapper and about a month later it sort of lost that shine and glitz, hasn't it? Well that won't be the case in heaven. Not that I think there'll be online shopping in heaven, but there'll be something else in the presence of Christ that'll just never diminish. A peace that will never break down. A love that will never burn low in heaven. Isn't that what people are looking for in this world? Aren't they looking for that sort of peace that actually remains? Aren't they looking for that sort of idea of harmony and this feeling of being loved? Isn't that the hearts cry of people in this world? they're longing for this, but they, they just find glimpses of it and then it just fades and breaks down and falls away. But the resurrection's different. It gives us an eternal perspective of this will never break down. It's something that can be felt. Let's stop and pause right here for a moment. Let's think about that. Let's think about the resurrection of Jesus. For the next 30 seconds, think about your resurrection with Christ, a follower of Jesus. Just think about what thoughts come to your mind when you think about what Jesus has accomplished for us. Let's just stop and think. What words come to your mind? Think about what Christ has secured for us. It's peace. It's joy. It's wonder. It's amazement. It's hope. It's expectancy. It's eternal. We think what the resurrection has secured for us. See, can you see that if you trust in Jesus as your Saviour that his resurrection is is far more than just some facts. It's far more than just some information. It really is something that you can feel, you can't necessarily put it into words. It's something that's powerful, it's something that really is, it's unshakable. I can't describe why it's unshakable or how it's unshakable, but it is unshakable. And here's what I mean by saying, it's sort of indescribable. I know a family that are a happily married couple with a growing family where, where life seems to be then for them taking its course without any troubles. Then uh, their 14 year old son begins to complain about a sore foot for, for a few months and finally they say let's go to a doctor and let's get this sore foot scanned and see what's happening there and they do. They go to the doctor and they get a scan of this sore foot and in total shock The doctor comes back and says uh, your son has an aggressive sarcoma cancer in his foot 14 years old and not only on top of that shock they say the only treatment for your son's cancer is to amputate his foot just below the knee so they do that real true family they amputate below the knee and they take off his foot And six months later, as you're getting adjusted to the crutches and the prosthetic limb and trying to get organised with that, they go back for a routine scan. And then this family discovers that now their 14-year-old son has multiple sarcoma spots in his lungs now internally. It's really terminal. What on earth will you use to get through that trial? What hope will you cling to when you get that terminal diagnosis with your 14-year-old son. There's only one, one powerful hope that sustains you through that trial. There's only one hope. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's knowing the power of the resurrection of Jesus that makes all things new in that horrendous situation within that family. Lauren and I heard this story a few weeks ago and the whole building was in tears but with a sense of rejoicing at the same time of the power of the resurrection. It doesn't change the circumstances of the diagnosis. The cancer is still there but the power of the resurrection hope makes all things new. Cancer will not be the end of that story. God may heal him but he may not. And even if he doesn't, that's still not the end of the story. That hope is experienced right now. That's the hope that carries you, that's the power that carries you through that desperately difficult trial. And this is also one of the most powerful of the res- of the resurrection, is the fact that nearly all of the apostles who witnessed the resurrected Christ, all died a martyr's death they simply had to deny who Jesus was in the face of their executioner and they could just walk away from the gallows or walk away from getting their head decapitated but because they knew the power of the resurrection of Christ they had no fear of death and no thought of denying who Jesus is and that is powerful incredibly powerful along with the cross Along with the cross, the resurrection of Jesus is a powerful truth that we must reckon with. We must think about. It actually calls us, requires us, the resurrection of Christ to make a decision. You can't just hear that as a fact and just let it bounce. You've got to go one way or the other when you think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is that powerful and that important. Because if this is true... If this is true that Jesus truly rose from the grave, I must listen to who he is. I must understand who he is. I must respond to what he says. I must believe what he taught. I must. Here's a quote from Tim Keller that actually puts it on the line for us. And Tim Keller says this, If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. So, so true. If he truly rose from the dead, that changes everything. If you believe that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, okay, then go and live how you like Do as you like, when you like, and how you like. Just go for it. But just know this, you are risking your whole life on that belief structure. If you're going to build your belief structure on thinking, nah, Jesus didn't rise from the grave, you're risking your whole life on that belief structure. You're risking everything. But if Jesus did rise from the dead... Well, that changes everything, doesn't it? That changes everything. If this is true about Jesus, doesn't that give you the most powerful hope in this world? 70, 80, 90 years goes pretty quick. And the older you are, the (laughs) the quicker it goes. It's gone. If he did rise from the grave, it gives you an unshakable hope. Because that's where I'm going to be one day. I'm going to end up in the grave. But because of the power of the resurrection and knowing that, I don't fear that. I want to pass it on to my family and my friends and people I know, but I want to feel that resurrection power and hope. A decision has to be made Did he rise? Do you believe that? Or did he not? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you today as we come and we remember the resurrection of Christ. We see what Paul is saying, Lord, that I may know the power of his resurrection. God, we thank you so much for the indwelling presence of your spirit that opens up our hearts to know that power, to give us that indestructible hope that we can also have in our hearts and lives as we think of that family, Lord, going through that horrendous situation with their 14-year-old son, that, Lord, as grievous as it is, as hard as it is, as um, tortuous as it is, underlying all that, Lord, is the power of the resurrection, the hope that carries them through. God, today I pray, please let that hope grow in our hearts. Let that truth of the resurrection of Jesus go deep within us, And Lord, today for those, perhaps right now you're opening up their hearts and minds to that truth and they may never have seen that before. We ask Holy Spirit as you were, please open up their eyes, open up their ears, not to know it, but to believe it and to know the power of the resurrection of Christ. Today, Father, we ask that. We pray that in Jesus' precious and glorious name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.